your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about everything trucking, and today is Destination Health. So we talk about trucking and business, and health is clearly an important part of those things. Kim Cockerham is my co-host. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health today, nutrition, Food, fitness, diet, lifestyle, drugs, supplements, disease, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We are, uh, we're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. I want to welcome Kim back. Kim, welcome. Hi. Well, thanks, Kevin. Especially glad to be here today. Yeah, you know, uh, you and I are at two different ends of the country. We couldn't be much further apart, but we're both dealing with our own uh, natural disasters. Uh, We're still dealing with fires over here. Last night was kind of a critical night. They were trying to hold the fire at a break they had created along a creek, and the winds really picked up, and it jumped the break. So... uh, now, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. The, the the town is well protected. They've j- done a really nice job. I mean, we had crew after crew after crew in, and they built a fire break all along the town. So the flames can get close to us, but the odds of them jumping that break are pretty slim. So I think as far as houses go, we're pretty safe. What they're worried about is this creek that it jumped it now has all kinds of access to burn east and we've already we have two sources of power here in town one comes off the bonneville dam we lost that one already Mm -hmm. that one's done um all the poles are down so they have a ton of work to do over there but they switched we can also get our power out of the dalles which is where we're getting it from now but this new jump in the fire is threatening those power lines so they're afraid we're going to lose power in the entire town. If they do, they're talking about uh, level three evacuations. You know, looking at the whole thing, if we lose power and that's the only danger, and I think it is, I don't think we're really threatened by the flames anymore, we're going to stay. I've got a generator in the house. Mm-hmm. I've got a generator out in the coach. There's no point in leaving if it's just for power because we have power. That's really great. And it's, it's so humbling. I mean, when it comes, you know, it comes down to that, something a simple thing that we take for granted every day. And, um, you know, we're very fortunate here. We had the, the power go out five or six times really briefly, um, but we still have a lot of neighborhoods and communities that are completely without power. And, um, you know, you just sit back and, and, and you put yourself in that place then where, you know, we don't have a generator right now. Now that's something that um, we look to do, you know, it's, it's that whole preparation thing, you know, I would do everything in hindsight, kind of, you know, you know what to get, you know what to do and you think, Oh, do it tomorrow or that kind of stuff. But, um, it really makes you step back and, and say, yeah, what do I need to do and get it in place? And, and, um, you know, hope others do too. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I know you've been through a lot. There's still a lot going on down in Florida, but you're working, we're working. We're going to continue doing what we do as long as we can. So uh, it's been been kind of a crazy week. I don't have a I have a lot of little stuff. I haven't had a, a ton of time to do a lot of reading or research this week. So this is just kind of some little stuff that's been hanging around. Um, the other thing I'm still doing, and it gets crazier every day, we, the market is just flooded with new devices, um, apps and wearables and sleep trackers and meters. and I mean, it's almost overwhelming. And the other day I was kind of doing an experiment when I was meditating, and my God, I looked like a science experiment gone awry. I had like four different devices attached to my head. Um, so it's getting a little weird, but it's exciting because some of these devices are really beneficial. It's still too early that, you know, we're not really talking a lot about which devices yet because like everything else I do, I want to make sure I'm doing really thorough testing. We're also starting to work with some of our one-on-one clients and getting them to test some of this stuff so we can get some other results. But it's exciting. I I think within the next 12 months, we're going to see some really cool solutions. And most of my research right now is focusing on two things, stress and sleep. Diet, I mean, I'm not going to say there isn't anything more to learn about diet, but we know most of it. Eat real food. I mean, we've talked about it so many times. The the more of your diet that is just whole, real food, not grains, not those things we've identified as non-food, even though we, we call them that, uh, the healthier you're going to be. I, no matter what the question is, no matter what the disease is, no matter what the condition is, the answer is always the same. The cleaner you eat, the better you're going to be. So I, we don't need to complicate diet any more than that, really. Um, you know, we could talk about macro balance and all that, and we do, but I, I think the real big next step is going to be lifestyle interventions to reduce stress and improve sleep. And, you know, diet is a part of that, but we've also seen people who are eating a really clean diet and they're still struggling with some of these issues. So if we get diet and digestion right and you're still having, you know, blood sugar control issues or sleep issues or you're stuck losing weight, we've identified it's almost always going to come down to stress and stress is all about hormones. So it's certainly a more complicated area and that's why I'm really taking my time on this, testing lots of different things. But I, I think this is the next big frontier in health is is how do we minimize or eliminate the effects of stress and poor sleep. And those two go hand in hand. If you're really stressed, you're not going to sleep good. If you're not sleeping good, your body's going to be more stressed. It's a vicious circle. But I think if if we... If we find the key to this one, then I think we've got it covered. You know, many people have found that just diet alone and they feel great and and most everything goes away. The people who are still struggling, I really believe it's going to come down to stress and sleep. Yeah, I agree. And I think we we found that. And it's, it's probably one of the more challenging things, too. I mean, we can control what 
food we bring into our homes and our trucks and, and that it's, but dealing with how we perceive stress and how we um, interpret it and so forth is a little more challenging, but it's also exciting because it, we can still do that. It's just a learning process. It might not be as quick feedback and we got to just, I think, trust the process on that one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to keep testing. Um, This is what I do. So gets a little crazy now and then when I've got things strapped to my body and glued to my head. (laughs) But it's uh, I'm learning a lot. So a couple other things. Um, Two things we've talked about in the past and and they came up with uh, one of our clients. So I went and did some research and found some new articles. Um, We've talked in the past about why some people have a hard time producing ketones, even though they're doing all the right things. They're eating very low carb, very high fat, and yet they see very low ketone readings. I fall into this category. I can be really, really strict low carb, you know, under 30 grams a day, plenty of good high quality fat in the 80 or 85% range, keep my protein at 50 grams, which is low. And yet my ketone readings on blood will only be like 0.7 or 0.8, which is the very, very bottom of what we consider nutritional ketosis. In order for me to get above one, I have to do two things. I have to fast and I have to um, do some pretty high-intensity exercise. Then my ketones will go up. Otherwise, they, they very seldom go over one, even when I'm really strict. And um, there was a really good article. I sent it to you. I know you read it this morning from Mark Sisson about this. And nobody knows for sure, but he had some pretty good hypotheses about this. And... You know, I think it makes sense because what he explained is kind of what I feel. I feel all the benefits of ketosis. I, you know, have great energy. Uh, When I'm in strict ketosis, I lose weight. I, you know, feel great. My moods are good. My hunger goes away. All of those things they tell us, and yet when I go to measure ketones, mine are very low. And he actually believes that there's a, a chance that as your body becomes more and more fat adapted, your ketone levels will stay low because your body is so efficient at using them. So they're not there to show up um, as much. There were some other ideas too. We're going to talk about that, one other topic, and then we're going to get to your phone calls right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothfuss.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Uh, We're talking about a bunch of things right now. We're talking about low ketone readings. The other thing, uh, Kim, that he kind of alluded to and said there isn't any real evidence for yet um, was that he believes some people might become efficient enough that they actually don't need to convert the fats to ketones to burn them, except in the brain. So he believes the muscles could actually become adapted to burning it directly, and then our body produces less ketones because it doesn't need to produce them. That's an interesting thought as well. Um, We've said many times, you can measure. We can measure with blood. We can measure with breath. But honestly, I tell people, if you don't want to measure, just go by how you feel. I mean, that, that's really the right. point of all this anyway. We want to feel better. We want to have more energy. We want to improve our moods. We want to lose weight. As long as all those things are happening, do I really care whether I can measure ketones or not? And honestly, I don't care. Right. right. And we do now. I was in a workout last week, and um, it was after, I forget what it was, and I, and I was like almost the end, and I turned towards Jim, you know, the guy who runs the, the hit workouts, and I'm like, can you tell I'm a sugar burner? <laughs> I was just dying. I mean, it was night and day. Just yeah. night and day of uh, what, what workouts are. And we know that with the energy levels and cravings and so forth like that as well. Yeah, and, you know, I, I tend to find that, uh, you know, I, I was just talking to my son, Michael. He's the same way. He can be really, really strict keto. He can be working out hard. Very seldom does he ever get over, you know, 1.0, which is considered pretty low. But he feels all the benefits of ketosis. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think that there, there is a lot of evidence that the, the longer people do this, the more strict they are on it. Showing up with low ketone levels isn't really a big deal. And, and there's, mm-hmm. Mark Sisson talks about this, that uh, Finney and Volek documented that early on, when you first start into a ketogenic diet, you tend to see higher readings, which I remember getting those readings back then. And then they stopped, and I thought, well, maybe it's because I haven't been as strict. But it's not. I, I can measure and quantify and be real strict, and I still just don't produce a lot of ketones. But I've also been doing this for three years now. So I think that that explanation, even though there isn't a lot of science behind it yet, um, could turn out to be true. There's another one. It almost kind of goes along with this. And this freaks people out. It freaked me out. Um, It's the high fasting glucose numbers. When, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I cannot get my fasting glucose under 90 anymore. It is always like 94 is the number. That number comes up about seven times out of 10 that I check my fat, exactly 94. I don't know why it's so stuck on that number. But sometimes I'll hit 106, you know, fasting, which, you know, makes no sense or seems to make no sense. And I almost never see 80s anymore. And I thought, God, is is this good? Because that's technically considered pre-diabetic, which makes no sense because I have no other right. symptoms of diabetes, have never even been close to being diagnosed as diabetic. It, well, it turns out, again, this is really common. The longer somebody does you know, a low-carb, keto-style diet, the more likely it is 
that you will show up with these higher-than-normal fasting glucose numbers. But then the interesting thing is, as I start eating throughout the day, my glucose numbers actually go down. And they believe that this is just the norm because your body will release that stored glycogen and will prompt your liver to produce glucose overnight to keep your numbers steady. That's really what we're mm-hmm. shooting for is steady blood sugar. Not necessarily really low. We just want steady. And mine is like rock solid. Very seldom do I ever deviate much from the 90s. I wake up in the 90s. I eat. It might come down a little bit. It might go up a little bit right after a meal. But it stays in a very, very tight range. And I think that's really what we're looking for. I I read an explanation this morning, and it probably gets a little too technical to talk about much on the radio, but there's a a doctor, he's actually in Seattle, um, that does a lot of this work. And what he does is he correlates fasting blood glucose with fasting insulin. And he's got a formula that he uses that shows that this is actually healthier to have those 90 and 100 readings if you are also showing low insulin numbers. Um, It's just not that easy to test for fasting insulin. I wish there was an easy test for that. And and I'm not sure that it matters. You know, this is where we could geek out on all the numbers and the ratios and the formulas. But I think the lesson is that these are two things you may see as you become more keto or fat-adapted you may see lower ketone readings and higher fasting blood glucose, and that that may turn out to just be the norm. And like you said, it's okay not get stuck on numbers to back what you know you're doing correct. Yeah. And I know it's yeah. frustrating, though, some people aren't still getting the results that they're looking for, too, but that's where you look at then, you go look at, what else, okay, what else is going on, and that's where we fall into seeing more and more that it's the stress. And exactly. Yeah, so instead of chasing those blood sugar numbers with diet or chasing ketones with diet and constantly trying to, you know, manipulate the macros, I don't think we need to do that. I think we, we know what, what works on the diet side I think, like you said, any time we see that stall or that block or we're not getting the results, I really think it's going to come down to the stress and sleep issue. One more thing, and then um, we might try to get to a call before we get out of the into this break. Um, I've talked many times about the opioid epidemic in this country, and mm-hmm. it, it, some new numbers came out for 2016, worse than ever. Um, the the rate of overdose and addiction is through the roof again in 2016. Then I read an article that absolutely just appalled me. Um, 1-800-PET-MEDS. I'm sure you've heard of it. They run commercials all the time. They've got their website. And it's a place to go buy um, drugs for your animals online. Well, I didn't realize this, mm-hmm. but... The um, the opioid tramadol is also given to dogs and pets, and it's the same. It's just like fish antibiotics. People that want to keep antibiotics on hand for emergencies, you can just go buy fish antibiotics. They are exactly the same as the human version, no difference whatsoever. 
Tramadol, I guess, is the same thing. They make, you know, they, they prescribe tramadol to pets. It's exactly the same opioid as what humans take. Not surprisingly, the opioid addicts figured this out and started buying, you know, pet opioids when they could. That doesn't surprise me. What shocked and appalled me is somebody did research into 1-800-PET-MEDS and their advertising and their search results and proved without a doubt that their marketing and their Google search and and what's called SEO search optimization um, has been targeting human opioid addicts with their with their search results. That's terrible! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. So one eight hundred pet meds fa- and and in while this mm-hmm. has been going on, their stock prices doubled. That's crazy, Kevin. Their their sales had been flat for about seven years. They stock price wasn't mm-hmm. going anywhere. Not a whole lot happening, and then. They, they show once they figured this out and started targeting their, their search results to people that were looking for opioids, their stock prices doubled. That takes the scariness to a whole new level. It, it does. Keeps broadening out. It's it just, it just unbelievable. So um, I thought we might get to a call before we get out of this break, but uh, we've only got about a minute left. Anything else you want to talk about today, or should we get us into the break and come back and do some calls? No. Yeah, no, this would be great to get to some calls. All right, let's do that. I'll take us into the break. Um, Be sure to check out uh, the course we created online, Keto Jumpstart, all about Um, getting started in the keto lifestyle, whether it's for weight loss, reversing type 2 diabetes, um, autoimmune. Keto is just a great reset for any of those problems. And we created a course that walks you step-by-step how to get into the keto lifestyle, how to do it on the road, what you can eat, what you can't eat, um, what to watch out for if you're on any kind of medications. And speaking of that, Kim, you know, I, I want to uh, keep reminding yeah. people about Verda Health. Um, and we had Sami Inkinen on, just an amazing guy all around. Uh, but we are, we are looking to partner with Verda Health. And if you are a type 2 diabetic on medication and you want to go through the keto approach but have a doctor doing it with you, Verta Health is an awesome resource for that. Grab something to write with, and when I come back from the break, we'll give you some information about that. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me, and we're going to get to some phone calls. Let's start off north of the border today. Evelyn, welcome to the program. Hi. Hello Hi, there. Evelyn. How, are you? How are you guys? Good. What can we help you with today? Um, my fiance has been listening to you for quite some time, and my son was born with a rare skin condition called epidermolysis bullosa. We've seen many different specialists, and they all tell me there's nothing they can do for me. And my fiance suggested talking to you guys about something that maybe dietary we can do for him. Absolutely. So my first question with all these specialists, has anybody done any testing? There's two, two causes of this. One is genetic. This is one of the few genetic, truly genetic diseases. So there are 18 genes that if any one of those 18 mutate could cause this problem. So there's a genetic reason it could happen, but this is also caused by the immune system itself. So this could be an autoimmune disease. Has anybody determined whether his is genetic or autoimmune? Um, When he was six months old, he went for a biopsy, and they did determine that it was genetic from his father's side of the genes. Okay, and and that is how it happens. It can come from one parent. So it's good to know. I was going to recommend that you have some genetic testing done uh, if it hadn't been done. Whether it's genetic or or AIP or or an autoimmune um, issue, diet can still help tremendously because what we know about even genetic diseases, just because you have the gene or even the mutation doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it. It just means you're at a higher risk for it and genes can actually be turned on and off. It's called gene expression. So we can have a gene, but if we don't express that gene, if we don't turn it on, we won't see those problems. And we know that diet and lifestyle can turn those genes on and off. So what I would recommend, um, first off, I, I would do a little more testing. I would, test, I would do what's called a food sensitivity test. There are several of them on the market. We have one that we... Um, use called the FIT test. It's a food inflammation test. And what we're looking for is, we're actually looking for two things. We're looking for any food that he would react negatively to. The biggest culprits are are wheat, uh, dairy, and eggs. But virtually any food could cause a reaction. That's what we're looking for because any food that causes a reaction is going to make any health problem worse. So if we eliminate those foods, we take away one more stress that the body has to deal with. The other thing that we're looking for, though, is there's a lot of evidence that even when this is genetic, it has an immune um, component to it. So if if you have, for example, you do the FIT test, and it turns out he's reacting to a lot of different foods... Not only would we want to eliminate those foods, but that would also be an indication of leaky gut. So what I would recommend right. is, is start with that, that food inflammation test, and let's see what we learn from that. 
no matter what we learn, I would probably still recommend the next two things, but but we might tweak them a little bit based on the information we get back. First off, I would recommend you start him on, on a leaky gut protocol. We actually have a protocol okay. in our store, and we have a kit. So there are some supplements. There are things like bone broth that are really good for leaky gut. So we've got a, a leaky gut protocol and a leaky gut kit that you could follow. Then after that, and, and I know this is really, really tough with kids, but there, there is a diet. Um, Evelyn, I'm going to put you on hold. You'll still be able to hear me, but I'm getting a lot of background noise. Um, there is a diet specifically designed for autoimmune conditions, and it's called AIP. Uh, autoimmune protocol. It's it's what's called an elimination diet. It eliminates anything that would cause issues with the immune system. So wheat, dairy, eggs, um, nightshades, there are a lot of other groups that are eliminated. It is a very restrictive diet. Um, basically, you're going to be eating meat and vegetables and a pretty small group. I would recommend, and again, I know it's difficult with a child, but I would recommend um, the leaky gut protocol for a couple weeks and then at least 30 days on an AIP, a strict AIP diet. And based on the results, you're going to know whether or not that's worth continuing. And we could do modified AIP, meaning... You know, after 30 days of a really strict AIP, you could start to reintroduce foods one at a time and see if any of the symptoms come back. I, I have a, the, the beauty of a protocol like this, there are no drugs. There's nothing in here that has any negative side effects. So, and, and this is a really healthy thing to do for anybody. So even if you don't get fantastic results out of this, this is just healthy. This is, this is good for anybody. So there's no downside uh, to trying this. And I think you may find that, that there are benefits and that you're going to see improvements in symptoms. Yeah. Oh. You're there. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. Um, that sounds like a good a plan. Sorry. Um, my son was sitting on my lap earlier. That's, That's okay. You got the background noise. That's okay. <laughs> we certainly don't mind that. We like getting him getting involved in his own care as well. So, um, again, there, there's no real downside to this. Um, the, the supplements that we recommend for in the leaky gut kit, they're just nutrients. There's no drugs. There's no side effects. Yeah. They're, they're just there to strengthen um, the immune system and help heal the gut. So I, I would recommend the, uh, the fit test so we can eliminate any foods that are causing the problem, then the leaky gut protocol, and then the AIP. And, and I think there's a really good chance you're going to see pretty amazing results. All right. That sounds like a good plan to start with. And, and um, you could all – how old is he, by the way? I don't think I got that. Uh, he's four. He just turned four. 
does he um, is he able to communicate with you well about how he feels? You know, four is one of those. I mean, by the time a child's six or seven or eight, we can usually communicate with them pretty well. At four, it just depends. Some kids are really good at this, some aren't. And, and what I'm getting at is we also have a, a free assessment tool online. It, it's easy for adults because we're asking questions about, like, symptoms, like how do you feel when this happens or, you know, it, it may be a little harder with a child of four, um, but you could always try it. You know, you could ask him some questions and see if you're getting logical answers from yeah. him. Yeah, he is pretty good at telling me when he's feeling or good. how he's feeling and when he's feeling it. So, Yeah, you, you might want to try that as well then. You might want to go online, um, take that assessment. We may find some good information in there about because it, it, it assesses things like his digestion, uh, his immune system. Um, you know, blood sugar handling. Uh, you may have to answer some of the questions the the best way you can. He may be able to help, and and it's not perfect, but it it may point out some other areas that we could also strengthen uh, some systems with some nutrients and some foods. All right. Um, wait a minute. Have you already done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Okay, Kim, is that that's, that's what you just? Yeah, it's in your. Yeah, oh, perfect. Email. Oh, uh, well, let me go grab it. All right, perf- grab that. Perfect. I'm taking a. a <laughs> let me grab it. I think I'm. Oh nope, that's not the one. Um. Here, that was easier. Okay, yeah this this may um, this may help here. Let's see what. Ooh. Wow. Um. Wait a minute, Kim. Who am I supposed to be looking at? Yeah, no, that's him. That's okay. Him. Um, Evelyn figured, Evelyn. Uh, Got it. Sent that. Put, okay. Evelyn filled that out for him. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to say there were some questions on there that were more related to an adult than him, so I answered them as best as I could. But, yeah, uh, and, and and that's perfect. That's that's really this is exactly what I was recommending. That you know you answer some, see if you can get some feedback from him. Um, this is really helpful having this. So let me put you on hold. We're going to get to a break. When I come back, we'll talk about this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get back to the phones. We were talking with Evelyn in Canada. So, Evelyn, um, looking at his chart, there's clearly some signs here that nutrition could go a long way towards helping him. So we see some digestive issues. The leaky gut protocol will really help with those. Um, The sugar handling and essential fatty acids are kind of off the chart. a, A good elimination diet would really help with those things. So based on what I'm seeing in the chart, it just strengthens what we've already talked about um, as far as what I think would be a really good protocol for him. I have a couple other questions for you real quick, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, was, was he a natural birth or cesarean? He was a natural birth. He okay. was a week late. Okay. Um, breastfed or formula? Um, breastfed for the first three weeks, and then I wasn't producing enough to keep him fed, so they switched him to formula. Okay. And has he been through rounds of antibiotics for anything? Uh, he, for his condition, they have, he's got an antibiotic cream, but other than that, he's been up with his um, uh, immune shot. Other than that, no. Okay. All right. So there's probably some really altered gut flora going on here based on some of what we've seen. Everything we're recommending, the leaky gut protocol, the AIP, all will also help kind of rebalance that gut flora. Um, I would also recommend a, a, a good probiotic and if you could get him to eat fermented foods. Are, are you familiar with fermented foods? No, not at all. So fermented is a lot like pickling, but it, in pickling we use vinegar to, to create a pickle, for example, is the most common. But you can pickle any vegetable by putting it in vinegar. That's not the way we used yeah. to do it, though. The way we used to do it and the way we used to preserve food was you would salt the food in a brine and then it would create its own acids that kind of give you that pickled flavor. But what it's really doing is producing good bacteria and that's what preserves the food. So when you see foods like kimchi, which is a very traditional uh, Asian, Korean kind of food, kimchi is is a, a... fermented cabbage, Um, real sauerkraut, not the stuff we buy in the grocery store, but what people used to make at home. You just, you know, stuff cabbage into a container, salt it, and it starts to ferment on its own. Those foods, yogurt is also a fermented food. The problem with most commercial yogurts is they're loaded with sugar and, you know, they're low fat and all kinds of stupid stuff. But if you can get true high-fat yogurt without a lot of sugar, that's a fermented food. Kefir, um, kombucha, which we've been hearing a lot about lately, those are all fermented foods. They have good bacteria in them, which is the same as probiotics. So if you can find fermented foods that he likes, and you don't have to eat a lot. Like most cultures use fermented foods as, as almost a condiment. So you might put a tablespoon or two of kimchi on top of something else as a condiment. If you can get him to eat fermented foods of any kind, those would be really good for his gut flora as well. All right. 
so, any suggestions for for like any specific fermented food? Does he like pickles? Say he he's not a very he loves pickles. Oh, then he he's not a really picky kid. Oh, good. Good. Then what you want to do is you want to go to, usually it's got to be at least a slightly higher end grocery store. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Whole Foods, um, but Whole Foods carries a lot of fermented foods. But I'm, I'm starting to see it a lot more in a grocery store as well. So you might have to go to the health food section. It's usually going to be in the refrigerator case. Um, Bubby's is one of the brands that you can look for. They're a national brand, Bubby's Pickles. Um, and what you're looking for is the only ingredients should be the cucumber, water, and salt. There should be no vinegar, and it should say naturally fermented, um, you know, things like that. Like I say, Bubby's is probably the most popular national brand. But if you start looking around, you'll find things like sauerkraut or grated carrots or, you know, lots of vegetables that are truly fermented not pickled but i if he likes like dill pickles i would start with bubbies they're amazing and you know that that would be a great way to get started all right that sounds good all right and stay in touch with us you know give us a call each week Uh, we can certainly help you with more questions and we'd love to follow his progress All right. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for the call. We will look forward to working on that one and following the progress on that. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kim. What's on your mind today? Um, Well, I talked to you Monday, and we both agreed I ought to do another round of Autron Kill, which it, it is ordered. Thank you, Lisa, for getting that out the other day. It's not here yet, but... I think sometimes I either think too much or read too much because my question is, you have me doing the Biodolf 7 along with Intenzyme Forte, which is kind of supposed to repopulate because the SIBO has messed everything up. So Atron Teal is to kill bad bacteria. Is it also going to work against the other two supplements and even fermented food, the good stuff? So is that a waste of time and money? to take the probiotic, the Intenzyme, when using Atrontil? This is a very good question, and there isn't even a lot of agreement, um, you know, in the nutritional community. Some people say it has to be a two-step process where you first go in and kill the bacteria, then you go in and try to repopulate. There are a lot of practitioners, though, that believe you can do this at the same time. I fall into that group, and especially when we're talking about SIBO because, and Atrontil specifically, because if you look at what Atrontil is doing, it is targeting very specific bacteria. It's targeting the methane-producing bacteria. And bacteria, even though they're all bacteria, can be very, very different in what they eat, what they produce, so it's, it's the reason why we also have to have so many antibiotics and we keep creating more and more and it still sometimes isn't enough because just because something is an antibiotic doesn't mean it kills every kind of bacteria. In fact, it doesn't. That's why we have multiple antibi- 
antibiotics to target different types of bacteria. So there are what are called broad-spectrum antibiotics that kill a lot of different kinds, but not all of it. So taking antibiotics we know can wipe out a lot of good bacteria as well. But there's no reason not to be taking probiotics while you're taking antibiotics because we're killing all the bad stuff. We're trying to repopulate the good stuff. Now, that's with the antibiotics. And, and you know, Dr. Brown, who created Atrantil, realized that antibiotics weren't working for SIBO because it would keep coming back. So his approach, which makes a lot of sense, is... His, the, the atrantil targets the methane-producing bacteria and basically starves them out. But I absolutely believe that while we're starving those out, we should be repopulating with good bacteria. Okay. All right. So do the doses that you recommended on all of them and yep. don't be concerned about atrantil counteracting against the good ones. Okay. Yep. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Thank oh, you, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Boy, Kim, I can't believe it. We've blown through an entire show already. Wow, wow, and good one, too. And I'm so glad Evelyn got into um, her poor little son with that four years old having to deal with that, um, that uh, affliction. Yeah, you know what's interesting? If somebody would have asked me four or five years ago, um, one, mm-hmm. of the, one of the fields I, I – absolutely had no interest in working and never have, uh, is actually mm-hmm. the medical field. I, zero interest. W- wouldn't have ever even thought of being in the medical field. In fact, I, I would have stayed away from it. Um, so it's kind of funny now with what we do, but I, I don't feel like what we do has anything to do with medicine. It's all nutrition. Um, but I, I'm starting to find that I really, really love working with kids on this. Yeah, yeah, and we had you know we had an opportunity with another one too, and they're so open to um, you know trying things and excited to see it work, and so I'm hoping that the best for. Yeah, absolutely. I I love the potential. You know, when you can help somebody who's four years old, you know, you've absolutely changed their entire future in their life, and I'm really finding that I just really, really like working with kids on this stuff. So, uh, Evelyn, thanks for calling, and we look forward to working with you. We're, uh, we've got to get out of here. We will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. 
The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cocker, him is here with me, and we'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. Food, nutrition, fitness, diet, lifestyle, exercise, supplements, drugs, training, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. Uh, Kim, it's that time of week again. Welcome back. Yeah, glad to be here. How are things going out west? Uh, good, good. We're, we're still at home. Um, I, I just amazing. Like I said, we we're at opposite ends of the country, opposite corners of the country. And, uh, we're dealing with fire and you're dealing with water. Right, right. But, uh, but we're okay, here. What, you know what is fun? Amazing. I'm sorry. What you've good. experienced too out there is, um, and sometimes you know, these things remind you of this, but when you see communities come together and neighbors helping neighbor and, um, you know, that uh, taking care of each other becomes such um, a priority, it's it's so heart-filling, I'll tell you. It is. It is. I, I've said that, you know, if we have to find a silver lining in all of this, it, it's the fact that the country is becoming so divided anymore over everything that it's good to see people setting that aside and just helping each other. And we've seen a lot of that here in our area. The first responders have been absolutely amazing. Oh, um, we learned the other night this fire is now being called, called the most significant fire in the country uh, and I think it's because we've had a major interstate shut down for almost 10 days, which is a pretty big deal. And this is mm-hmm. a national scenic area. But it's actually being managed by a team out of New Mexico. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it turns out there's only 16 teams in the country trained to do this type of high-level wildfire management. And all 16 teams have been deployed for quite some time. This team out of New Mexico, um, they have been away from home and on fires uh, for almost 60 days now. Um, They just keep moving from one fire to the next, and it looks like they're going to be up here for quite some time. So I, I, I can't say enough. Um, those people are away from their families. We know what that's like in this industry. They're living in tents, um, and they're doing such an amazing job here. I, I, right now, because most of our town's evacuated, there are more first responders in town than there are people. I mean, we feel like we have our own personal fire crew and law enforcement. They're, they're out here working so hard, and they're so visible, so... Um, hats off to the, the first responders and, and again, hats off to the people that are helping their neighbors. Right. We're, we're seeing that, you know, we have a friend out in Houston that it, it's amazing. And they have a lot to teach a lot of us as far as the citizens jumping. Um, you know, that's where a lot of social media, you know, came in and helped and just citizens not sitting back. They, they jumped to the help of their neighbors with their own boats and kayaks and, um, and now they're doing it from because um, just to get to supplies where people need that, you know, that because they can do it and it's not caught up with any government red tape and that kind of stuff. And it's incredible to see. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. So um, we're we're very uh, 
blessed here with the response we've had. And, and again, maybe if, if nothing else, this will start to bring at least some people back together because the, uh, you know, it was kind of disheartening here in, in Portland on Sunday. We had huge demonstrations again and, you know, people clashing and fighting and protests. And, and I thought, you know, couldn't you just take a little time to look around the country and see when we set our differences aside and focus on how we're the same? And, and we actually come together and help each exactly. other. We, we need a lot more of that. Yeah, yeah, we sure do. We sure do. All right. So uh, I, I don't have a lot. We we went over a bunch of kind of odds and ends stuff. And because of the fire and everything else going on, I haven't had time to do a, a lot of research or reading. Um, still working on the stress and sleep angle. Um, nothing you know, earth shattering to report yet, but a lot of promise. I mean, I, I, I think that at some point we're going to be able to come up with some pretty solid protocols for stress reduction and improving sleep. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for doing all that testing. Absolutely. It's uh, kind of what I do. It's what I get excited about when I get up in the morning. So I'll continue to do that. What do you say we get to some phone calls? Yes, please. Let's do that. All right. Let's start off today in California. Tyler, welcome to the program. Tyler, are you with us? Uh, You know what? Let's put Tyler back on hold. We'll see if we can check out that line. Let's try Kentucky. Richard, it's your turn. Welcome to the program. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, according <laughs> to where you're at. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, several ca- questions. I took the questionnaire, and uh, my wife just notified me that it has come in, and I was wondering, uh, what step do I need to take to see about the supplements and stuff like that, Kevin? And... Um, I'm sure it's going to show up if y'all can look at it. But there's sometimes, like when I'm getting unloaded, it doesn't happen often, maybe once once a week. I just get real weak, almost jittery feeling. And if I go eat, you know, like uh, something sweet or a pack of crackers, it goes away. doesn't happen very often, like I said, maybe once a week. Is that low blood sugar? It is. A- absolutely. So... And you are showing up pretty high on sugar handling. You know, we've talked about this, but it it needs to be repeated because, you know, our our traditional form of kind of monitoring for blood sugar is the A1C. And A1C is a lousy measurement because what it, A1C is a 90-day average of where your blood sugar has been in the last 90 days. The problem with it is as we start to become insulin resistant, which happens over decades of a poor diet, which we were all eating, even the people who thought they were eating really, really healthy and doing all the right things, um, turns out that that's not true. Um, If you listen to our show the other day, we had Sami Inkinen on. Uh, You couldn't have lived what we thought was a healthier lifestyle than this guy. He ate really clean, almost vegetarian. Um, he, he was a world-class triathlete, so you couldn't work out any more than this guy works out. 
and he showed up as pre-diabetic. And it took a while for that to show up because what happens when we eat that typical high-carb diet that we were all eating, you get blood sugar spikes, meaning your blood sugar goes way up high, but then it also drops way down low. So when you take a bunch of low numbers and a bunch of high numbers and you average them, you get a normal number. So A1C can show up normal decade after decade, and then all of a sudden, your doctor will say, oh, you're pre-diabetic. Well, where did that come from? Last month, I was fine. Well, you weren't. It's just we're using the wrong measurement. A1C is just a lousy way to do this. So you do have some blood sugar handling issues. It's showing up on the Nutri-Q, and those symptoms you're describing are classic. That, that's low blood sugar, which is called reactive hypoglycemia, meaning you're getting low blood sugar, but it's because you're actually losing your insulin sensitivity and you're getting blood sugar spikes and blood sugar, you know, low blood sugar drops. The, the good news is easy, easily reversible with diet. Um, I, I am also going to say, though, you have some stress issues going on because you're also showing up pretty high yes. in, in adrenal. So we would want to focus first yes. on, on diet and second on, you know, lifestyle, reducing that stress and improving sleep. That 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 makes a lot of sense. And uh, like I said, I hadn't got to see the results yet. My wife just called me. I'm on the road. And... Uh, everything but looking and listening when i do get to it uh y'all are hitting me dead dead center because i've looked at my diet now and for example in the truck i've got double fiber bread with processed meat uh store-bought mayonnaise crackers for snacks rice krispie treats and you know kevin here i was thinking and i did get to hear the guy that triathlete uh, that was an eye opener. But here I was thinking, well, you know, I'm eating double fiber right. uh, sandwich and yes. stuff like that, and I'm thinking I'm doing good. But now I'm like going, oh, and what you said about the carbohydrates, I'm like, I'm blowing that out of the cycle. So that's what you're talking about: raising, spiking, and coming up and down. Yeah, as far as me getting weak because I'm spiking and then I'm dropping. Correct, sir. Exactly. Hold, hold that thought. I'm going to get to a break. We're going to come right back right after this stick around we'll be right back with more stuff i'm kevin rutherford
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We are talking with Richard in Kentucky. So, um, Richard, it's it's pretty clear. Um, we've identified what you're dealing with, and the good news is um, we know exactly how to fix this. What I would recommend, um, have you seen the, the course that we created online, the Keto Jumpstart? No, sir. That that was something else I was fixing to ask about. Uh, one of the main questions I was going to ask, as far as, and then I'll I'll hush for a little bit. Uh, can I call in and y'all tell me what supplements I need, or will you know how does that work? And then the keto jump start is that on your website as well, or is that something I need to sign up for, sir? Uh, the Keto Jumpstart is on the website. You sign up for it. It's $15 to take the course, but it'll tell you step-by-step how to start eating to reverse the blood sugar issues. The Keto, the course is designed exactly for that, for reversing blood sugar issues. Keto does a lot of other things, but it's really, really effective at getting blood sugar under control. So I would recommend you take the course, and then I, I wouldn't do any supplements right now. There are some recommendations for supplements in the course. Um, the digestive supplements we would recommend, but honestly, I would, I would start with the diet. If you decide you want to do some supplements, um, you could call. Um, I, I, would, I would work on the diet for a couple weeks first. And then call us again on the show, and we'll see how things are going, and we could recommend some supplements. Um, Or you could work in one of our one-on-one programs where Kim and I actually spend time with you directly and and work through each issue one step at a time until we resolve all of them. But for right now, I would say go take the course, start working on your diet, and then let's just go from there. Okay. All right. I sure do appreciate it a, a, a whole lot, uh, and I, I love my doctor. Don't go to him very often, but but when I do, for example, uh, this leaky gut happens every once in a while. I went to the doctor, and he gave me some cream, and uh, you know, and and thought that that was the problem because it would go away, but then it'd come back, it'd go away. I may get it like once every other month for just a couple of days, the leaky gut part. And uh, this stuff that y'all are doing, I tell you, it, it, it's just, it's like I said, I love my doctor, but uh, they're not really looking at what y'all are looking at, the nutrition end of it. And, and, and I appreciate it very much. You're welcome. And uh, we look forward to working with you, even if it's just, you know, once a week on the show, we can, you know, work slowly step by step so uh congratulations first on you know taking control of your own health and uh it can be an exciting journey so we look forward to working with you let's go to i think we've got uh tyler back tyler welcome to the program hey um so i had a few things um i was Listening to a couple of the books that you recommended, um, I believe it was the one in the uh, effortless healing. Um, you said something about whey protein being good for you. I thought I heard you say not to do that. Uh, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Um, I, I was listening to the effortless, effortless healing book. Okay. On audio. Um, and he said 
um, he said something about the whey protein being good for you. Yeah. I, I heard you say about not doing that? I, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I, I just, I know there are some people out there still promoting it. I, I don't see the point. Um, if anything, the only supplement I would really recommend for protein would be something like a collagen or a gelatin, or we actually like the collagelatin, which is a combination of both. It's a specific product, but I don't even use that a lot. I think that we get so much protein in our diet as it is that the last thing I want to be doing is adding a a daily protein supplement. Um, I realize that they're not just looking at the protein when you do like a whey. They're looking at targeted amino acids. I'm just not sure that I've seen a lot of results from it. And it, it, like I say, I'm, I'm just not a big fan. I don't think it's necessary. Okay, um, and also, I've been pretty sick for the past couple of days. Um, I went keto, um, I don't know, probably five months or so ago, and then I got a cough about a month before the truck show, and then I started to cheat a little bit, and then my... Um, cough went away and then about three days ago I got a really bad cough um, and I've been cheating still Um, and so last yesterday I started sneezing and had a really bad runny nose and everything and just looking for kind of a pointer to get me over that so I can get back to being healthy where have you been spending a lot of your time what part of the country Um, the 11 Western mostly. Yeah. And the reason I ask that is because the air quality out here in the West right now has been awful. So I'm not surprised that you're suffering those kind of symptoms. Um, so there's a couple things I would recommend. One, when you feel sick, it's time to double down on, on the eating healthy and, and not cheat. And, and, you know, it's funny because when we don't feel good, we tend to crave the foods that aren't good for us. Um, I actually, when I don't feel good, one of the first things I do, I reduce food intake. I, I may try to do like a 24-hour fast. I'm not, I'm not a real big fan of fasting for more than that because it doesn't seem to agree with me. I don't feel good when I fast for long periods of time. But I might do a 24-hour fast, you know, maybe bulletproof coffee and bone broth. And then I'll stay really calorie restricted for a day or two. I'll go really strict keto and very low food intake, almost fasting. And I just think that helps our body recover. Um, digestion is, takes a lot of energy, takes a lot out of our body. And if we don't have to be digesting food all the time, our body can work on other things like healing. So I'm a pretty big believer in when we start feeling bad fasting, um, in different forms is a good thing to do. There is a supplement I would also recommend, actually two of them that we carry in the store that I've been taking every day because of all the smoke in our area, and the results are pretty amazing. Yesterday, I didn't take it. I just got busy and forgot. Last night, I felt awful, and I'm thinking, why do I feel so bad? My throat you know, is raw. I've got this cough I can't get rid of, and then it dawned on me, hadn't taken the supplements that day. 
Um, we have one called Scent Arrest, Scent Arrest, which is it's just a bunch of nutrients designed to kind of strengthen the pathways that deal with these toxins that cause that kind of reaction. And then the other one is called Histoplex. And Histoplex will target all of those symptoms you're dealing with, the respiratory and the sneezing and the cough. And uh, between those two, I think you're going to get a lot of symptom relief. And then again, I, I would really kind of double down on the nutrition and maybe even do kind of a modified fast. And I think with those two things, you're going to feel a lot better. Okay. Um, and so the last thing I have, um, I want to start making my own like fermented vegetables and bone broths and doing a lot more of that kind of stuff in the truck. Um, what kind of products do you recommend for, um, like, cooking that? Like? Yeah, so uh, let's start with the fermentation because it's pretty drop-dead simple. Um, basically, it's it's a water and salt brine. Quart of water, two tablespoons of good quality salt. Put some chopped up vegetables in there. Leave it on the counter for four or five days. I, that's really as easy as fermenting is. I, I do recommend there are some really good lids on the market that make fermenting in the truck a lot easier and a lot less of a mess. Um, one of them is called Easy Fermenter. And if you just Google that, you'll find it. It's a specific kind of lid for fermenting. It screws onto a wide mouth mason jar. That's really all I would recommend as far as equipment. Um, they work great. Um, as far as the bone broth, um, if you're going to do it in the truck, uh, there I, I can't imagine doing it in the truck except for this kit that we found. That's why we partnered with this company. They take grass-fed bones, which those are you know hard enough to come by as it is. You've got to usually order them. It's pretty hard to find them locally a lot of times. So they start with grass-fed bones. That's excellent. Then they roast them which is really good, and it's one more step you don't have to mess with. Then they put it in a, a bag, a muslin bag, with herbs and seasoning, and all you do is put the whole bag right into a slow cooker or a pressure cooker, and you've got bone broth. No mess, no ordering stuff. Um, so I would highly recommend the bone broth kits that are in our store for that. All right, there's the music. I've got to get to a break. We will be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothenberg.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Uh, Kim, you know, I, I was talking about those lids that I found easy for men. Or Mercola also makes some lids that are great in the truck. And they actually have a filter in there that, that stops some of the odor if the odor happens to bother you. And Matt just sent me another one that I hadn't seen that looks pretty cool. Um, Masontops.com has uh, silicone venting lids that work with the the ring that you already have for the mason jar. So it, it's pretty cool to see, you know, two years ago I couldn't find anything like this. Now I'm finding multiple products mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, that's cool. You got to remind me. I was, uh, I ran out of my for a minute. I love the cabbage. I just love that with some homemade mayo as a side dish or you just put it right on top of salads. And I've been out and need to get some going again on my on my uh, counter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking of that, um, I, I am just now getting ready to try my next kind of foray into um, food preserving. So I'm interested in this for a couple of reasons, kind of long-term food storage, being prepared kind of thing, and um, finding better ways to have good quality food in the truck. Because part of our problem in the truck is just not enough refrigeration space, um, you know, and finding grass-fed meat while you're on the road is difficult. So um, this week, Thursday and Friday, which are kind of technically our days off, I am going to start experimenting with um, pressure canning and primarily pressure canning meats. So I, I get tons of of grass-fed and pastured meats delivered every month. I use ButcherBox and CrowdCow. So I always have a Mm -hmm. freezer full of meat, which when you have that luxury of having a freezer is nice because I always have grass-fed and pastured meat. That's really difficult in the truck. So I started looking at, you know, how could we solve this? And, And I don't know why I didn't realize this. I never realized people canned meat at home. You know, we've always seen canning vegetables and preserves and fruits and things like that. Um, And we can buy canned meat in the store. The problem is the quality of it. You you know that the canned meat isn't going to be the greatest quality to start with. And I got thinking, well, if you can can your own meat, well, then we could start with the very best quality. And it's going to be very nutritious. And once it's canned, it doesn't need refrigeration, which is perfect for keeping food in the truck and the meat is already cooked that's part of the canning process so literally you no refrigeration you would open up this jar and you've got you know grass-fed high quality pastured meat so I got thinking about it and the way you have to pack meat when you can it it has to be covered with the liquid so they recommend water tomato juice meat broth and I got thinking what if What if I took and made a batch of bone broth of any kind, whether it's, you know, beef, chicken, whatever, um, combination of all of the above, and then when I go to can the meat, cover it with the bone broth as your liquid, and then can it. Now you've got really high-quality meat and great gut-healing bone broth with Mm -hmm. all those nutrients in a package that doesn't need to be refrigerated and can last for years, and you just open it up and eat it. That would be amazing for everybody, especially those on the road. Yeah. So when are you doing that? 
uh, this Thursday and Friday. I have all my equipment in. I just got a, yeah, a really nice pressure canner. And it doesn't take a lot. Um, You know, I I found some pressure canners for 80 bucks. Now, I I went kind of high-end because I plan on doing a lot of this. So I think I paid about 240 for my pressure canner. But other than that, you don't need much. Mason jars and lids and meat. Um, but I, the idea of making the bone broth and then canning the meat and the bone broth to me seems like just a, a, a mm-hmm. great solution to being able to eat healthy on the road. And it's really convenient. Yeah, that sounds me. I'm that's be looking forward to hearing. When you first had told me that about canning meat, I had never, ever heard of that before. I had neither, and I don't know why. You know, it it was really common. This was how we preserved meat. Um, It does require a pressure canner. I want to be very, very clear about that. If you know how to can fruits and vegetables, do not try to can meat in a water bath canner, which is the way we do most what they call high acid foods. You know, fruits, tomatoes, things like that you can do in a water bath, which is very common. Um, Pressure canning is what you absolutely have to do if you're going to can meat or seafood. Uh, it requires that, that higher pressure to kill um, the botulism, which is what we would be concerned about. But I don't want to scare anybody. It's very, very safe. If you follow the directions when you do this, it's very, very safe. But it has to be pressure canning, not water bath canning. Mm-hmm. So, that would be really interesting, Kevin. Yeah, so um, I probably won't shoot any videos this week because it'll be my first time, and I'm sure it's not going to be a really smooth process. But after I get a couple batches of this worked out, I'll probably shoot some videos on this. Maybe we'll even do a course. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, because I, I think this is the real next step and key to being able to eat healthy in the truck. Um, you could easily take a month's worth of high-quality meat with you in the truck. Wouldn't be hard at all. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, let's, uh, let's get back to some phone calls. Let's go to Kansas. Wade, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Cam. Hi there. Um, I've talked to you a few times. Um, I, I did get your keto course. Um, I was look, listening to it and, and going through it. Uh, did you say uh, that you had um, a couple recipes and stuff that w- that were included in in that? I I didn't see them, and I, and I was going to ask about that. The recipes that are in there are things like the bulletproof coffee um, that was in the beginning on one of the videos. Right. We plan on and and we Kim and I have been working on this, and Brittany and we're kind of working on it in the background. Um, meal plans and recipes, and we will release those. We'll probably go back and add them into that program as well so that anybody that's paid for the program, that will just be a bonus that they'll get along with that. Um, It's definitely a project we're working on. It's just a lot of work. Um, And when we do it, like everything else, we want to make sure we do it right. But we do have um, recipes and meal plans coming. Okay. Because uh, I didn't, I didn't see anything. I wasn't sure how how that was going to work out. Um, I was going through it. I do the bulletproof coffee, and uh, but I was wanting to get uh, some of the, the meal plans and stuff. 
Yeah, you know, you can uh, find them out there. I mean, if you just Google keto meal plans, you'll find a ton. That's another reason why when we prioritize our, our projects, we, you know, if something's already out there, then that can get moved further down the list. We, we will definitely put something out, but there's enough out there that if you just Google keto meal plans, you'll find a ton of stuff. But do they are are they used on like the the low, um, oh, the, the low density uh, like the also? the nutrient dense? Uh, not so much. You're gonna yeah, have yeah. It, yeah, not so much. That's kind of why we covered that. You know, in the in the course itself, so that you could make those modifications. So, for example. Um, you know, if you find a recipe for a, a tuna salad, one of the quick ways to increase the nutrient density is either use sardines or use a combination of tuna and sardines or salmon and sardines. So it would require a little bit of modification, and that, that is what ours will focus on. When we release ours, the recipes and the meal plans will all focus on nutrient density. Um, but again... You know, if you find a, a recipe for anything that has meat in it, well, they probably won't say grass-fed or pastured, but just know that any time you can substitute grass-fed or pastured, it's going to be more nutrient-dense and, and healthier. Okay. Then on the on the macronutrients, on the fat part, last time I talked to you, you, you know, you talked about the protein and low-carbs and you know, roughly 70% of the of fat uh, in your macros. But what, like I, I do the bulletproof coffee in the morning, and that gets me usually to one or two. And, and then, uh, but I mean, how, how much fat, I mean, is that like, what's that look like for a quantity? Okay. Uh, or, you know, like with each meal, are you talking tablespoons or, you know, like a, a couple avocados? or what, Got it. Okay, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more stuff. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We are talking with Wade in Kansas. So, Wade, you know, 
I'll just use myself as an example. You know, when I make bulletproof coffee, it's two tablespoons each of butter and brain octane or coconut oil. Um, and I drink two cups a day. That's basically a thousand calories of fat. I, 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 there are days when I'll drink three, and if I'm fasting, I can go all day without eating. And at that point, 100% of my calories were from fat, basically. Um, but even on a day when I drink two cups, a thousand calories, if I'm only going to eat 1,500 calories that day, which a lot of times that's all I eat, I, I'm already at about 66% of my calories from fat just from the Bulletproof coffee. So it's not hard to get to that 80. I, when I'm in strict ketosis, I run about 85% fat. And, you know, certainly an avocado, one whole avocado, no matter how you eat it, whether it's on a salad or you just sprinkle it with lime juice and salt, that's a lot of fat. Um, if I eat a lean steak, for example, yesterday I just had a taste for a lean steak, um, I'll, I'll make... I'll either make or I'll buy a really high-quality mayonnaise. Um, There aren't that many on the market, but there are a couple. And with every bite of meat, I'll have, you know, a a pretty good portion of fat with it, the mayonnaise. Um, If I eat salads, they have avocados, they have nuts, they have dressing that's high in fat. So fat is, is... very calorie dense so it doesn't take a big portion of fat to equal a lot of calories it's twice as calorie dense as protein and carbohydrates so the amounts don't look like a lot that's why in the beginning we do kind of recommend tracking your macronutrients with with a tracker so you start to see what it looks like Um, and a lot of people struggle with this they say they have a hard time getting enough fat in the beginning, you might, but once you learn how to eat, it's not hard to get enough fat at all. Nuts, seeds, um, oils, fats, avocados, olives, um, you know, fatty cuts of meat like ribs, um, you know, the, the fattier cuts, which also tend to be the cheaper cuts a lot of times, which is really good. So what you might want to do if you're still having a hard time kind of picturing is use one of the food trackers. We use chronometer. Um, There are several out there, though, and you'll start to get a feel for what those macros look like. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. And then um, I I did the digestion, um, and I felt pretty good when I was doing it. I ran out. I was going to see about bumping up to the stronger one because some of the symptoms that you said that you were supposed to uh, experience when you when you start taking it. Um, I, I never really had any of those symptoms. I could tell it was working, but uh, I was going to say about trying the the, the stronger version. It, but and what 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 what's that called? Uh, that would be the Betaine Plus. And, and I recommend doing that. You know, it's one of those things that I do like to find that upper limit. And, and that's what that test does. It gets you to the point where you actually feel a little bit of discomfort. Then you know that's the upper limit and you back it down just a little bit. So I, I think that would be a good idea for you uh, to try that. 
uh, and give it a shot. So when you're feeling the results, that's a good thing. That absolutely proves that you were uh, acid deficient, and, and virtually everybody is. So trying the stronger dose till you find that upper limit is a good idea. Let's go to Michigan. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Love your show. Thank you. Uh, you talk about talk about uh, packing meat there. Uh, I grew up in Michigan, lived there most of my whole life, and we're hunting, fishing, and at home with my parents, we always processed our own deer right there at home, and in doing so, to preserve the meat, instead of freezing it, we canned most everything that wasn't steaks. Yeah, yep. And all we ever did, we just cubed it up into cubes and packed it in the quart jars, and because some people are kind of sensitive sometimes to the venison taste or the little bit of a gamey taste to it mom always dropped a beef bullying cube on top of it and all the the juices from the blood and everything from the meat when you're processing all got dumped in right there on top of the meat in the can yeah and then you just lightly screw the the lid and ring on there and put it in a pressure cooker you cook it you turn it on high uh, the stove on high for uh until it brings the pressure in the the pressure cooker up to 10 pounds and then you turn the heat back a little bit, and you leave it for 90 minutes, cooking right there at 10 pounds. And then at 90 minutes, you just shut the heat off and let it cool down on its own, and you pull the jars out, set them on a towel on the counter, and let them cool off, and then put them in the cupboard someplace that's out of the sunlight. And they're good for years and years and years and years. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, I, I'm not sure why. Yeah, and you you described it exactly to the T, how you do this. I've been studying it, getting ready to do it, and, and the way you described it is exactly correct. The only thing I would add, that pressure changes based on elevation. So if you're at a higher elevation, you might have to go to 15 pounds instead of 10. At sea level, I think you can even do five. But the way you described it, step by step, is exactly the way you do it, and you you do find that a lot of people that hunt, um, they will use this because it is such a great way of processing and storing a lot of meat without taking up freezer space. So, I, I'm like I said... Right, and you don't have to worry about uh, if your refrigerator quits or say you're in Florida and you lose power for a week, exactly. it doesn't affect it. Yeah, so that's why I, I, I'm you so interested. You have all the food that you need. Yeah, that's why I'm so interested in this one from, you know, kind of a, an emergency preparation point of view. And two, um, being able to do this in the truck. Being able to just, when you leave out on a sure. trip, grab a couple quart or pint jars of this really good, high-quality meat. If you take the time to actually pack it in the bone broth, the nutrient density is going to be off the charts, and it's super convenient. You literally just open it up and eat it if you want. You don't even have to heat it up. And it's very healthy for you. I mean, most of them deer are either corn-fed or uh, grain-fed anyhow. Yeah, if, if certainly if you have access to wild game, that's, that's always the healthiest meat we can possibly eat. Um, so appreciate the feedback on this. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about this, Kim. I think this is uh, you know, such a great, simple solution for a couple things. Well, we still need him hearing him talk about his mom doing that, and is that a lost art that we've, you know, that hasn't gotten passed on to this next generation because we're 
you know, we don't do that as much. I don't know. I think, I think that's really, and then he threw in that, you know, Florida thing, like example, when we're out of electricity and here we're at, you know, Publix and Target and stocking up on all the, you know, all the yeah. non-perishables where here you'd have some wonderful meat, you know? You know, and, and here's the other thing we're looking at. You know, I, I have some recipes that I absolutely love. I, I chicken soup, I make an awesome chicken soup with really high-quality pastured chicken, and then I make chicken bone broth and throw in some vegetables, and I I do put a little bit of bean uh, in mine, usually like a white bean or a navy bean, uh, because I don't use noodles, so it just gives it a little more substance without a ton of carbs, Um, and good fiber and some other things. But I got thinking, um, I have that recipe. I have a really good white chicken chili recipe. I've got um, some, you know, mm-hmm. beef and bean recipes, and all of those could be canned. And again, you're controlling the ingredients so you can use high quality ingredients, yet you have the convenience of just grabbing something and opening it and it's ready to eat and right. doesn't need refrigeration and it's got a shelf life that is good for years. I, you know, I'm not yeah, sure why, yeah. other than the fact that we just got so used to convenience foods and we didn't care about mm-hmm. quality, I'm not sure why there isn't more of this being talked about in the paleo community. But I think the reason is it, it's easy enough to buy grass-fed meat and throw it in your freezer. But on the truck, you don't have that. And, and in these situations right. where power goes out. I mean, the last thing you want when power goes out is a freezer with $1,000 full of grass-fed meat in it. Right, right. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, looking, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So we'll, uh, I'll have some reports on that next week. Let's get to, oh, you know what? We're going to have to make this quick. Larry, you got about a minute. I'll try to answer this as quick as I can. Okay. I guess that's probably not a lot of time, but. Uh, I went through your programs, and uh, shortly after you released me in the gold program, I ended up with an abscess on my appendix. Um, they drained it. I ended up with more infection and been on antibiotics. Today was my last um, dose of antibiotics, and I'm just wondering what to do from, the, from now on. Got it. Let me, let me do this, Larry, because I want to answer your question, but we are out of time. So don't go anywhere. We're going to wrap up this segment, but I'm going to come back to you because I do want to address that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Now, if you want to hear this answer, this won't be on the the SiriusXM show. But if you go to Spreaker, I'll continue the recording so you can hear the answer on there. Thanks for joining us. We are all out of time. We will do it again real soon. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rothschild. All right, so we're done recording. So... um, Larry, throughout this process, have have you kind of maintained um, the good, clean diet? I did the best I could. Of course, it was really hard when I was in the hospital. I spent oh, six yeah. days there, and and um, I've done the best I can do. 
Um, and now I'm pretty well back on track, and I've found some uh, plain yogurt, uh, grass-fed, and I've been doing the kombucha with everything else. Good. I'm still Good. doing the best I can, but just with the Anjantil and the Hydrazyme right now. Yeah, you know, you could continue doing what you're doing because you, you've learned a lot through this process. Everything you just mentioned to me are all the things I would recommend you continue doing. Um, you can see how this works out because you do have um, the appendix issue going on, although we don't know a, a tremendous amount of, about the appendix, although we do know now that it is important. It's not a throwaway part, so we, we'd like to do everything we can to keep it. Um, you may want to bring a, a, a functional medicine doctor into this, or, or at the very least a naturopath. Somebody that's kind of monitoring the medical side while you work on the nutrition side. I, I would continue doing everything you're doing on nutrition. Um, maybe we'd have to go even a little deeper. Um, we might have to look at, at your immune system. Um, again, that would require a little more you know, one-on-one time, whether it's with us or a functional medicine doctor, a naturopath look at, at ways that maybe we could strengthen your immune system and possibly even a detox, but I, I would want to do uh, some other things to verify that a detox was necessary. But you clearly keep doing what you're doing on the nutrition side. That may be enough, but I, I would probably continue working you know, with somebody one-on-one to, to strengthen the immune system as well. Okay. I, I found a natural path. I haven't seen her yet. She's putting on a seminar on Saturday. Okay. And I plan on going to that and, good. and uh, you know, somehow get hooked up with her. Good. I, and I think that's a good idea. I think bringing somebody in that can address some of those medical issues directly would be good. And the other question I've had uh, ever since I've had this, I find myself urinating about every two hours. Is that something that um, it, that may be more of you going in and out of ketosis. So, you know, when you were in the hospital, I realized eating their food is awful and trying to stay on any kind of a clean diet in the hospital is impossible. So then you came out, you go back to eating clean. I, I have this happen to me a lot because I stay on that border of being in and out of ketosis. So when you're out of ketosis, your body will store that 2,000 calories of glycogen again. Every time it stores the glycogen, it has to store two to three times more water to process the glycogen. Then you go back into ketosis, your body drops the glycogen, and it drops all the water. So you start urinating a lot. So if you stay on that borderline, you can really cycle back and forth from feeling like you're dehydrated to urinating all the time to being thirsty. So it's just something you kind of get used to, and I have a feeling that's probably what you're dealing with. I I wouldn't worry too much about that. And again, I think working with the naturopath is a a great idea um, because of the appendix issue. So... uh, by all means, continue to call us. We'd love to keep working with you here on the show as well. And uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you here this weekend for the live show. Thanks, Kim. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.